You're listening to audio from Gospel Light Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more of our resources or support our ministry, please visit gospellight.sg. Thank you so much for all your well wishes and your concern. I'm very excited and thankful that after a long period of time, not just due to COVID-19 restrictions, but because of what happened to me personally, um, I'm able today to come back and to share with you the Word of God to testify what I have learned during this period. Some of you may not know me. My name is Chi Qin. I'm a pastor here at Gospel Light, and I pastor the Chinese congregation. On 1st July 2021, I was diagnosed with cancer. It was very shocking to me because um, I have no family history. No one in my family has uh, cancer. And I'm still considered young by the doctors, meaning it's not the time where they start scanning and checking to see whether there's any of such growth in the system. And while I may not be especially, uh, ex- I'll call it maybe, while I may not be a health freak, <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, I do do my part to stay away from like instant noodle, canned food, preserved food, to do my part to, to keep my body healthy. Um, and so it was very, very shocking, uh, totally unexpected. But my wife and I, we accepted it as an unexpected God-appointed journey for us, in which we desire, I desire, to learn to follow Jesus better and pray that all that has happened to me might also serve to advance the gospel. Interestingly, um, I just finished the sermon series on Uh, book of Acts. And in the second last chapter of the book of Acts, chapter 27, Paul was facing a violent storm on his way to Rome to give witness to the gospel. And he said to everybody who was fearing the loss of their lives that there is hope. He said, I believe that what God has said will be so. And so, I was reminded of that when the diagnosis came, uh, and in the midst of all those uh, unsettled emotions, fears, and anxieties, I I cried out to the Lord for a verse to anchor my faith. And as I prayed and sought the Lord over it, He impressed upon my heart 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So this message I'd like to share with you today is like a personal testimony. I'd like to share with you what I have learned in this past year or so in my journey of treatment, of fighting cancer, and what the Lord has taught me in order to keep on following Him and to follow Him well. And the key truth I'd like to share with you this morning is that sufferings that embrace the God of all grace 
leads to his eternal glory in Christ. I hope that today, after hearing from the Word of God, you would, like myself, begin to embrace the God of all grace if you have not done so, whatever you may be experiencing in your own life, so that it will lead you to his eternal glory in Christ. First, I'd like to uh, touch on sufferings. Guess what is the phrase in that key verse that I wanted an answer the most? The most pressing upon my heart when I thought of 1 Peter 5.10. What is the first question I ask God? The first question I ask God is, what is a little while? It makes sense, right? <laughs> and so I sought the commentaries. I researched the Bible, and I prayed. And the commentators were honest, they were fair, but they were also nebulous, meaning they're not that clear. What do I mean? A little while, they said, could mean that you would suffer in this life for a short season, and then you continue to live, and then you can continue to serve God. So that's one interpretation of a little while. Another interpretation, to be fair to the text, is that a little while could mean you would suffer all your life till death and be ushered into eternity with Christ. And in the light of eternity, your entire life of suffering is still a little while. So guess which one I prefer. <laughs> I think it's kind of obvious, right? I mean, I want to grow old with my wife. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I'm not asking for anything exceptional or immoral. I, I, like the rest of you, I, I would want to see my children grow up. Hopefully, they find a good life partner, get married, and have children of their own, and the Chinese say, Pao Sun, you know. I, I, I hope I can live to that day. And because one of my sons is here, he's getting teased for that. But that's life, right? That's his sufferings. <laughs> but I think those are very normal desires. And that's what I struggled with. It's not like asking God for anything exceptional. But this totally disrupts what I thought would be happening in my life. And it was difficult, it was painful to even think about it. Well-meaning, good intention, wise people uh, who heard about it told me that cancer these days is not necessarily terminal. But I do not know at that point because I have not received my scan results. Others encouraged me by telling me that, you know, there are so many stories of healing. God is mighty. He is able to heal. I believe that with all my heart. But I also know that there are those whom God chose not to heal. I do not know what is going to be my case. Um, others pointed to the excellence of medical science in Singapore and said, you know, it will be good because you are in the best place for treatment and I'm thankful. Thankful for the excellent medical treatment and equipment here that, you know, is at the cutting edge. But again, cancer is cancer. I do not know. And so I realized 
Even with this verse, as I came to the Lord in prayer and sought His mind, I have to submit to His will. That weekend, my wife and I, we talked a lot, we cried a lot, we, we struggled, and on Monday morning after the diagnosis is when we're going to see my surgeon, and he's going to let us know the scan results, what stage of cancer it will be. And I remember that night, we hugged each other and we cried together, and my wife said, you know, I, I do not wish to be a widow at this young age. And I, and I told her, I don't wish you to be either. And we prayed, and I, I remember praying and saying, Lord, I understand that your, your love is demonstrated at the cross when you died for our sins. But I told the Lord, but Lord, at this point in time, in, with what you have allowed us to go through, I don't, I told him, I don't understand this love. I do not know how it applies. But yet, I trust you. And I said to the Lord that night, I said, Lord, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the author and finisher of my faith. You are the life and the resurrection. And Lord, I, I fear you more than I will fear this cancer. And strangely though, we were in such grief and uncertainty and fear, and we have no answer nor solution. The Lord comforted our hearts, and that night we, we slept well. And the next day in the morning, very early, we went to see my surgeon, my doctor. He went through the scan results, and thankfully, um, it is not terminal. I was at stage three, right at the borders of going terminal, but it was not. And so there is a hope for cure. Now, normally we would think that after you have made such a decision, you have committed yourself, you chose to fear God alone and not cancer, that should be the end of the journey and from now on the music plays and you are ushered into this beautiful cruise and all is well. But that's not the case. And I hope you won't walk away thinking that just because you heard a message and you were touched that that's the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. It was the beginning for me. And so I want to tell you now and talk to you about sufferings. Sufferings. Because after the diagnosis, after the results, after that commitment to fear God alone and not cancer, um, the pain began through the treatment. I went through uh, first radio and chemotherapy and it was painful. The surgeon explained it's like an atomic bomb exploding at the site of the treatment and you will be in great pain after that. At first, I didn't understand, but when it happened, uh, it was really bad. <laughs> um, then I went through major surgery to remove uh, the organ that has that tumour. Um, and after that, I had went through a full regimen of chemotherapy, and, and each phase of it was different kind of pain and suffering I could not imagine can happen to my body. It never, I've never experienced it before. And some of you may be wondering and thinking, like, how could a loving God allow good people to suffer? And it's something we, we really struggle with. And we, because we think that love means no 
pain. But the truth is, the God of the Bible allowed good people to suffer. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. He didn't do any wrong, and yet he was betrayed, he was sold to Egypt, and he suffered. He did right by his master in Egypt as a slave, and yet he was maligned and thrown in prison. Think of David, the king of Israel, before he was king, and how he was persecuted by Saul for more than a decade, simply because Saul was jealous and insecure. Think of Daniel, the prophet. And some of us may think that just because we are old, we should be spared. But Daniel in his old age, even after he has lived so righteously before God, his colleagues got jealous of him, schemed and plotted, and got him thrown into the lion's den. And the most famous example would be our Lord Jesus, the sinless, perfect Son of God, innocent of all sins. And yet, He suffered. Death on the cross for our sins. And the story continues even with the Apostle Paul. Pastor Jason is going through the book of Corinthians and you know that he suffered a lot for serving God. He wasn't even running away. He wasn't being punished for his sins. So God does allow good people to suffer. But you see, when we talk about something like suffering, some of us, we just kind of blank out. <laughs> Especially if we are not going through anything like that because it's too painful and far away. But I want to lean in a bit more and invite you to consider the subject. Now, some of you may have suffered a lot more than what I've gone through. I've heard stories when I was going through my treatment of how the kind of chemotherapy they go through, I'm like, thank God I don't have to go through that. You know, I don't know how I will endure it. Some of you may still be in suffering. Some of you, for you, is far away. But regardless of what is your relationship currently now with pain and with sufferings, the question is not really who suffered more or less, but what has it done to you? Has it made you a better follower of Jesus? I think that is more important. Otherwise, you know, some people, they, they brag about how, what they have achieved in life, you know, the, the property they bought, you know, the, the places they've been to. Some people, they brag about how much Bible knowledge they have in church, how long they have served, who they know. And you know, those in suffering and pain, what do they brag about? How badly they have suffered. You know, it's, there's no intrinsic value in suffering, isn't there? So I hope that we don't end up in this message competing and comparing who suffered more or less, longer, shorter. I think there's no value in that. I hope we ask ourselves instead, if we have suffered, if we are suffering, has it made me a better follower of Jesus? Has it helped me? draw closer to God. And that is what I ask God to do. And the answer lies in the second word I want to talk to you about, which is grace. The key verse that God gave me reminds me that it is important to turn to the God 
of all grace. This is a beautiful description of God that Peter has offered to us, unique in his writings, to his writings. It tells us that God is the giver and He's the source of every grace in our Christian life. It reminds us, it challenges us to turn to Him because no matter how intense our sufferings are, His grace is greater. No matter how great a variety of sufferings you may have experienced in life, like a roller coaster, after this, then it's that, after that, it's this, His grace can meet every single need. But you see, when we talk about grace, there is a danger. The danger is, as Christians, we think that God does everything, I am passive. I just let it happen. Grace, right? Unmerited favor. No. God wants us to interact with His grace. So that's why in the key truth that I shared with you that I, I learned in my journey is that we must embrace the God of all grace. I, I chose this word deliberately because the word embrace tells us that we are to take it up readily, gladly. In other words, no one can force you to turn to God in your sufferings. That's why some people go through suffering and they just come out angry and bitter. Some people come out just very proud that they survived it. And it didn't make them a better follower of Jesus. You see, if we want to be a better follower of Jesus, we need to embrace the God of all grace. We need to turn to Him. No matter what we are going through, no matter how great and how little, don't dismiss it. Otherwise, we will not come out of it better, but we can come out of it bitter. I'd like to share with you, in my own experience, in my journey, how I embrace the God of all grace in my journey. First, I learned that I need to keep drawing near to God. I need to keep drawing near to God. He is there. His grace is available. But how can I access it? I thank God that throughout the journey of treatment, I was able to get up, have my breakfast for my physical strength, and after that, open my Bible to read it for my spiritual nourishment most of the time. That is one way I access His grace through His Word. Now, I wouldn't say that I was able to do that every time because there were times I crashed physically. When I look at the screen, my eyes blurred out. I don't even have the strength to, to look at it for long, and I couldn't. But but whenever I regain my strength after a few days, after a couple of weeks, I, I come back. I want to keep drawing near to God. Another way I, I draw near to God to embrace the God of all grace is to pray to Him. You know, um, we see a lot of pictures. You kneel down by your bedside, whether adult or children, and put your hands together. Very pious you know, the, the, the picture. So, so I did that too. I knelt by my bedside and I tried to pray. But after a while, I found that my knees begin to hurt because when you're going through treatment, your skin wears off and tears off. Uh, it's not a, a nice thing to experience, but that happens. And so what I did was, wow, it hurts too much to kneel by the bed, so I can't have that picture of piety praying to God. 
So I decided to lie on the bed, rest my body and pray. And guess what happened? I fell asleep. <laughs> Too tired. So since that didn't work, I decided uh, I'm going to sit on my bed and, and try to pray. But when I sat on my bed and, and tried to pray, my mind began to wander. And I pick up my phone and I, I begin to look at other things. And it didn't work for me either. So eventually, I was also encouraged to keep on walking. And so in my own place, I would, uh, I would walk, take, do steps in my home. And as I do steps in my home and walk in my home, back and forth, back and forth, I found that I could focus better and pray. So I kept drawing near to God because if this didn't work, I tried to find another means. If that didn't work, I didn't, I didn't say like, wow, like that cannot, just give up. Why? Because I want to embrace the God of all grace. It's, he's there for me, but I have to draw near to Him. And honestly, there are times when I am so beaten up, tired, um, down emotionally, that I can't do any of this. And I would just add songs of worship and praise to uh, my playlist on my phone, plug in my earphones and just listen to those songs and let those songs remind me of who God is and of how great and gracious He is and, and just worship Him the best I could know how. So, draw near to God. But the second thing I learned about embracing the God of grace, of all grace, is to keep turning to God. To keep turning to God. When you are in pain, when you are in suffering, the truth is you will be frustrated. You will be disappointed. Things are not going to pan out the way others tells you or you imagine and then you pray and then voila, you know, that is answered and you can give thanks. I mean, that's nice in the story, but that's not true, at least in my experience. I went through six cycles of chemotherapy, except for the first cycle. Every single cycle, something happens. Sometimes it's so severe that we almost have to rush down to the A&E, but thankfully we didn't have to do that. But I prayed. I asked God for minimal to no side effects. And for some reason, He didn't seem to want to answer that prayer. <laughs> he allowed me to have quite a bit of side effects. Some new ones every cycle and some old ones come back over and over again, though I prayed so hard. I prayed for deliverance, but there was no deliverance. Do I give up? No, I kept turning to him and said, Lord, since you're not going to deliver me, now help me to endure it. Help me to endure it. It's, it's discouraging. It's frustrating. I'm disappointed at the outcome, but help me to endure it. It reached the point where I am just thankful to God that I'm okay today. I just want to be thankful to God that at least today is good. If yesterday was bad, thank God that today is good. I do not know about tomorrow. I can't think that far now with all these chemicals going through my body, but I'm just thankful that I'm okay today. Keep turning to God. Don't give in to your frustration and disappointment. Don't keep trying to get God to do what you want. Ask God to help you with what is happening now. And that's what I did to embrace the God of all grace. The third thing I learned is to keep away from self-centered thinking. You know, whether in blessings or in sufferings, the, the fallen, unsanctified human heart 
wants to find a reason why things are good because of me, because of self. Maybe because my physical constitution very strong, wouldn't happen. Or because my thoughts are good, I'm very positive in my thinking. Everything is about me. And so when we do that, even in drawing near to God, you may end up thinking, wow, God bless you, you know, because your Bible knowledge is so good. Wow, God bless you because so many years you have served God. You know, the Chinese say, So that's why you can endure. So we find all kinds of reasons why I'm doing well. And I learned that those are all very self-centered thoughts. Because honestly, there are some times I do well, and most of the time I don't do well. I don't feel spiritual. I can't do spiritual things. I feel lousy about myself. I feel lousy about my life. I feel lousy about what's going on right now. But I thank God that He is still with me because He's the God of all grace. He is not journeying with me because I'm good. He is comforting, encouraging, and strengthening me because He is good. And if I keep embracing Him, not because of what I think I can contribute to earn His favour, I found that I could rest in the understanding that even when I cannot so-called perform today, He still loves me and He will still be with me. So I could stay away from self-centred thoughts. I'm also very grateful for my sisters. When they heard the news, they took turns every week to cook uh, home-cooked nourishing food for me to help me in my treatment. And there was one week when my, one of my sisters came and she looked at me and she made this comment. She said, um, you seem to be taking it quite well. And I thought to myself, I'm taking it quite well. You could see inside the kind of frustration, disappointment, longing, struggles. It's like, ah, get me out of this. You know, I, 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 I don't feel that I'm taking it well at all. But she went on to say, because she's years older than me, maybe she has met more people, she has seen more cases like this. She said to me, not everybody is taking it like the way you do. And I thought to myself, it's not because I'm feeling good. It's not because I got a handle on this. It's because of the God of all grace. That, yes, it's bad, but it could be worse. I could be wallowing in misery, self-pity, dark thoughts, bitterness, anger, frustration with everyone, including God, you know, and it could be worse. But because of His grace, I thank God that I seem, and I hope I am, taking it well. The third word I'd like you to consider in this verse, in my journey, is glory. What does grace in suffering lead to? The scripture tells us that it leads us to His glory. Let's see what it says. The Bible tells us, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ. You see, what is the purpose of all this suffering? We would ask ourselves, why? What does it achieve? 
And I learned and found out that it achieves the same goal as my salvation. And that's really the amazing thing. There's nothing new. It's not like God has one agenda for salvation and another sort of agenda for people who suffer. No, it's the same. When you suffer, He's calling you into His eternal glory in Christ Jesus. When He saved you, He is calling you to His eternal glory in Christ Jesus. And I found that the lessons that I'm learning are actually the same lessons that are being taught in church that I have learned, that the same truths that I myself have preached from the pulpit, but now I just get to apply and see it in a new light. There's nothing new. It's the same goal. It's the same goal. And that goal is His eternal glory. Now, when we think of the word glory, we would consider it in ordinary terms and sense of something that is unapproachable. Like the prophet Isaiah, when he saw the glory of the Lord, he said, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Unapproachable. It's not something that we can, a uh, local word would say, suka, suka, walk in, you know. Like, hi, hi God, how are you? Well, I cannot. It's, 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 it's very scary. It's, it's, it's awesome. In fact, we read in the Old Testament when the glory of God descended on Mount Sinai, the people of Israel didn't say, wow, so exciting, like a amusement park, walk in, uh, take a look. No. They told Moses, Moses, you go, you go. We don't dare to go. It's unapproachable. It's scary. But yet, in this verse, the Scripture tells us that God in Christ Jesus is calling us to approach Him. Come forward. Come in. Come now. And the Apostle Peter may be thinking of the glory of the Lord he saw at the Mount of Transfiguration. Like a cloud that descended over him. It's indefinable and amazing. But he could also at the same time be thinking of the glory of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ when he beckons him and the other apostles with his nail-pierced hand by the Sea of Galilee at the beach and say, come over now, breakfast is ready, come and dine with me. No longer indefinable, but as clear and as personal as the nail-pierced hands of our Lord Jesus, His eternal glory. So, what I learned is that my sufferings, when I embrace the God of all grace, is to bring me to His glory, not my comfort, not even necessarily my healing and recovery. That no matter what is the outcome, I'm supposed to draw nearer to God, to lay hold of His nail-pierced hand in the midst of my sufferings, and to find out more about who He is and what He wants to do in my life today. The glory of the Lord are the revealed attributes of God. Now, that sounds like very chim and deep, but it simply means that you get to know more about His love. You get to know more about His holiness. 
You get to know more about His redemption. You get to know more about what He says about this life and the life that is to come, that this is not eternal. There's something more on the way. And that is what He wants us to enter into in our salvation and also in our sufferings. His eternal glory in Christ. Now, usually in a sermon like this, when you cover three points, you expect it to end, right? Sufferings, grace, glory, done. Let's pray. However, Peter is not done. It almost seems as if after he had talked about all this, he got so excited that he begins to write even more and threw out in rapid succession four verbs to tell us what God will do when you understand this truth, that God is going to do something. He's not sitting at the sideline just watching you, watching me, see whether we are, you know, uh, naughty or nice, good or bad. No, he's not doing that. He's involved. And so because Peter is not done, I'm not done yet. So we're not going to close the service as yet. There's more to go. Hang in there with me, all right? Uh, if you are good, I would be short. I'm just kidding. Okay, let's, let's hear now what else Peter has to say. He says that if we understand this, then you're going to find that God will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The word restore here is a word that Peter will probably be very familiar with because it refers to mending the nets. As a fisherman, before he was called to follow Jesus, he would constantly be mending the nets to restore it to the place of usefulness so that he could cast it out again and begin fishing again. So probably with that picture in mind, he's saying, you know what, you are going through all this and you're embracing the God of all grace and you're entering into His eternal glory, understanding more of who God is and what He wants to do. I want you to know this, when you do that, God Himself will restore you. Now, don't get it wrong. It's not physical, necessarily. Of course, if God were to restore me and miraculously let what was surgically removed from my body grow back, I'm more than thankful. But that's not what He's talking about. And so I apply this to my service. And I say, God, I'm going to go through a lot. I'm going to suffer physical loss. And, and I pray that after it's over, if you allow me to live on, please restore me to a place of service. I don't know what shape and form I will turn out. It all depends on how my body responds to treatment, whether there's any spread, etc. There's a lot of uncertainty. But I said, Lord, you know like Joni Erickson Tada, he was, she was paralyzed from waist down since the age of 18 or 19, and yet, through all her sufferings, you restored her to a place of service and allow her till old age to give witness to your grace and truth. You can do that for me too, if you want to. Please restore me. I think of Nick Ouijik, who was born with no hands and limbs, and he was so frustrated and discouraged and disappointed with life. He wanted to kill himself, but God had mercy on him. He embraced the God of all grace. He was led into the eternal glory of Christ, and while he remained in this 
unrestored physical state, God restored him to a place of service. And I said, Lord, allow me to serve you in whatever form and shape. And I thank God that today I see a bit of that restoration. Secondly, the Bible tells us that God himself will confirm. To confirm in the original text means to turn resolutely in the right direction. And I apply this to my faith. You see, before my sufferings, I know I want to trust Him, but I do not know if I really trust Him. Think about this. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. You know why? Because until something happens, you don't know whether you still trust Him. It is still just a matter of what you think, what the Bible says, how you feel God would deal with you. But when things go south, not according to imagination, and yet, in your disappointment, you choose to trust God, then you know your faith is real. And so I pray, God, please confirm my faith. I do not know how I would respond. This is, this is painful. This is discouraging. My entire future is uncertain. I, I will not live normally anymore. After all the treatment and surgery. But God, Help me to keep trusting you. Confirm my faith. That I can know I am not trusting you only for good things in life, but I am trusting you even when you allow my life to fall apart. Help me. Please do this. I apply it to my faith. Third, the scripture says that he will strengthen us. The word strengthen here is unique to the New Testament. Only appeared here once. The only other place it appears is in the Old Testament, in the book of Job, where in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it refers to the strength of lions, with courage, with vigor, in its commitment to God. And so I apply this to my relationship with God. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going through so much that I cannot understand or imagine. I do not know how I would respond. But please, let me come out of this with a stronger relationship with you. Help me to continue loving you as I should. Please don't let what has happened keep me away from you or push me away from you or cause me to be cold and distant about your word and your truth. Please, Strengthen me. Strengthen my relationship with you. And finally, Peter says that God himself will establish you. And that word speaks of picking up the broken fragments of our life and laying it down on a firm foundation. And I apply it to my calling to advance the gospel with my brethren today. And I said, Lord, after all that has happened to me, please, Allow me to contribute, to be a part of what you want to do today to advance the gospel, establish our weakness for you. If you notice with me, these are all spiritual, not physical. It's amazing, after my diagnosis, how many texts, calls, incidences of cancer I, I read about, people who had the same unexpected 
experience. One case in particular, a close relative of my wife, who is a Christian, been very concerned also for me and been praying for me, um, reaching out uh, in the past year. But this, earlier this year, she herself was diagnosed with late-stage terminal pancreatic cancer. Just shocking how life turns around like that for her. She's in her late 60s. As a believer, the Lord has amazingly given her peace about her situation. It's incurable. It has already spread. Even if she goes through treatment, she will still pass on. So she chose not to have treatment. And after my own treatment was completed, I had the strength to visit her in the hospice where she is in palliative care, which means that she is just waiting to pass on in life. And I remember that afternoon when my wife and I came in to visit, she was all worked up in an extremely irritable state. She was angry. Imagine this lady lost so much weight because she couldn't eat for weeks, down to bones and skin, and yet she was so agitated. And she began to pour out her heart and share what has happened to her the day before. What happened was a Christian friend came to visit her and told her that she didn't have faith. If she had faith, she would be healed. And she's sitting down there trying to tell her, I'm getting ready to die. But she don't want to hear that. She keeps on insisting that she didn't have faith. And then she pointed to her own example, because she also had cancer, that I had faith and God healed me. But you don't have faith. That's why you are like that. You just need to have faith. And she was all agitated. It was very sad to hear that for me because this Christian lady who could be of comfort because she didn't understand the glory of God. She restricted and limited it to only physical healing. So when she came in to see this lady who is already going to die, she simply discredited and missed the glory that God is revealing in her life. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That confidence and hope that she is going to a Christ-filled eternity was all lost on her. And so instead of bringing comfort, she brought distress. You see, the same thing happens to us in our lives if we misunderstand the glory of God. If we limit it to only a certain formula, you do this, you get that. If this didn't happen, it's because you didn't have enough of faith or prayer or whatever. Then you will be disappointed. Because God allowed sufferings into our lives to bring us into His eternal glory. You see, the nature of suffering is that no matter how big or small, it can cause us to be confused. It can make us frightened. It can cause us to withdraw from life and even give up on our faith because it's painful. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called sufferings. But what I want to tell you all today is that I found out that it need not be so. It need not be so. Yes, there will still be unexpected changes. 
Yes, there will still be pain that has to be endured. But what I found is that sufferings that embrace the God of all grace leads to His eternal glory in Christ. And so I hope today that no matter what you have already gone through, what you're going through right now, and what you may be going through in the future, big or small, that your sufferings will make you better and not bitter. And you will continue to follow Jesus well. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. I think sometimes we cannot fully understand all that you want to do because, like it or not, we think in material, physical terms. And the spiritual truths are just theoretical until you make it real in our hearts. And so I pray, Lord, that you would make your truth real in our hearts so that we would embrace it to follow you better. I pray, Lord, that for those who may be struggling in pain, in whatever form, shape, or size, or length, that if they find themselves growing away from you, today they would turn back to you. I pray, Lord, for those who are holding on, but it feels like it's too much to bear, that, God, you would comfort their hearts and give them the strength to endure. And may all that we experience in life points to your eternal glory in Christ so that we can, as a people, witness to the truth that we are living and seeking that which is invisible and eternal and not just what this world alone offers. And that no matter what happens to us, our family and friends will see that we are still trusting you, loving you, following you. And may that weakness cause them to consider the amazing grace in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.